It's the Sean Pittman Show. It's where we talk about politics, sports, entertainment, and business. Here is your host, Sean Pittman. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Sean Pittman Show and glad to have you today because I got a special friend joining us, an absolute legend in the music industry and uh, Tricky Stewart. Thanks for joining me today, man. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me, son. It's good to be here. Man, listen, I know you're way out in L.A., and so I really appreciate you getting getting uh, on the phone with us early. Uh, but, Tricky, we, I've talked about you several times on the show, man. And, man, you're one of the most successful music producers out there. You got five Grammys, and you have at least 100 million records sold. But congratulations on a great career, man. Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate it. And I hope the things that you were saying about me are all good things. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're great things. But, Tricky, take us back, man. Do you remember the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio that you produced? Tell us about that moment. Listen, the one thing I can tell you is it gives you so much energy to hear your, your song on the radio, and it never gets old. It, do, it doesn't matter how many times you've heard it. It doesn't matter how long you've done it. It's the ultimate payoff, in a sense, of your hard work and your dedication to a song or a particular artist or something like that. Because ultimately, uh, the radio sounds different than when you just put the CD in your car back in the day. Or right, right. Even if you're listening off of Spotify or you're listening to Tidal or whatever it is that you use. But the, the truth of the matter is the radio waves have a, an added enhancement that they add to a musical producer's career. And it has a way of making us sound better than actually we are in some cases. So it never, ever gets old. Never gets old. And, and, and you know, when people hear the term producer um, trick, I'm not sure everybody really knows what is involved in that, right? I mean, uh, so mm-hmm. kind of what goes into the job of being producer? I mean, is I think most of us think, you know, well, they wrote a song, arranged a song, or uh, found an artist. What What is it really to be a producer? Well, what it means to be a producer is that it's a, it's a couple of things. And, you know, the the definition of this has definitely gotten skewed over time. But the producer, in a classic sense of what I do or a Timberland does or Pharrell, is what we are responsible for, essentially, is being almost being a creator. It's in a creative job where the reason that the producer gets paid a fee historically and the writers didn't get paid a fee is because the producer is the contractor that works for the record company and you become the liaison between the artist's art and what the company needs and what the company needs is a hit song because the record companies are not people think that record companies are built to put out stars they are not the record business is about hit songs. It's about star songs. And if you, the more that you have of those, the more that they are willing to put into that person and that entity that we look at and say, oh, there is a Beyonce, there is a Rihanna, there is, you know, a Jay-Z, whatever the situation is. So from that standpoint, you are essentially working for the label as a liaison and what that means historically as a talented musician is first and foremost you're responsible for all the decisions that get made with that artist which will include who's writing the song why did you pick this writer right who's who's recording the artist 
what engineer is that? Why did you pick that engineer? Who's the guitar player? Why did you pick that, that guitar player? Why did you pick this studio? You're in control of the money. You handle the financing, the financial aspect of it. You are, it's your job to keep those projects within the budget. You manage the money in the allotment of the project based upon the, the spend of the label. So meaning if you get a new artist, the new artist spend on an art, on a new artist is completely different than the, uh, than the spend that you would spend on Beyonce and her sixth album. So, so you're, put, you but, have but a you're putting a lot of pieces together here though, right? I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's, you're not a producer. If you're just doing one of those things, you might be working for a producer, right? Well, yeah. And that's where, that's where the, uh, where the term has changed because now we have beat makers and beat makers don't necessarily know when they call themselves the producer, why people devalue them because being the producer the credit is the part that comes along with it and it says produced by Tricky Stewart but that's not just the beat that's the decision making process as it pertains to the artist the recording of that artist the environment in which they record the financial aspect of the of the re, uh, recording itself and then it moves all the way into the lifestyle portion of the artist when someone historically has said Hey, I'm going to send my 15-year-old kid or 14-year-old kid in Justin Bieber to Atlanta to work with you and Scooter Braun. Well, it becomes incumbent upon us to put a positive environment around that person for the label, for the parent, for everybody that's involved in order to have the ability ultimately responsible for the product of the hit song. So you got to, so, so in other words, you, you got to, if I got a kid and I want them involved in, uh, and I want them to have a producer, it helps me to have somebody who understands just the cradle to the grave as it relates to the business, because there's just so much involved in packaging a star, right? And you work with a mm-hmm. lot of great people, man. I mean, I, when I, when I hear single ladies on the radio, I hear Beyonce, but I think of you when I hear <laughs> Rihanna umbrella, you know, I like Rihanna, but I think of you. And oftentimes, especially you guys just celebrated something with Justin Bieber. When these songs come on, man, Mariah Carey, touch my body. I think about touching, bo- touching my wife body, but, <laughs> but I think about, I think about you and I often think about, you know, the moment that you're sitting there and you know, you got a hit song, you know, you're working with an artist that can make it happen. But oh, pull the curtain back for me a little bit. Is there an artist that you worked with who surprised you the most? Just even in a way that they took a, so- a, a, a song that you thought was going to be average and made it great, or they took a great song <laughs> and made it and made it average. Well, um, interesting question. Uh, I think for me, right, like. And none of them listen to the show, so none of them listen to the show yet, Tricky, so don't worry about it. You can be honest with us. <laughs> no, I will say the most incredible uh, talent that I've seen when, I, when I'm in awe of someone, I had the pleasure of working with who I believe is one of the greatest songwriters of all time in The Dream. And The Dream... Um, ah, The Dream. For a lot... I like The Dream. For a lot of different... Yeah, me too. He made me very, very wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> he made you a lot of money. That's right. Yes. To answer your first question, he is the most amazing person when I look at someone 
that I go, wow, I didn't see that coming in. And you're just like, you know, you're really, really just enjoying, enjoying the process of working and collaborating with somebody. And then as far as people making songs better, um, that's what stars do. All the stars make the songs better. Mm, um, okay, that's that's when you that's when you know you're dealing with a star because one of the intangibles that a star really has is something that you can't put your finger on, and it goes and it's very sim- simple in the sense that that person's voice sounds like that hit song. Wow! So, and synonymous, right? So yeah, yeah. So, but to be honest with you, when you say who makes a song and I won't use the word song worse but I'll use the song different Beyonce makes the song different because she makes the song hers and sometimes what you had envisioned for the song and what she and how she envisions herself as an artist could possibly be two different things and um, one of those occasions was that I had with her where I had to get used to the song after it was sung was um, Smash Into You okay. which was we okay. wrote it kind of as a melancholy kind of yep, yep. Uh, I like it really I like introspective it. song mm-hmm. and uh, she wanted to use the song as the closing portion of her movie Obsessed and but she had a different she sang it harder than we thought the song should have been sang you know right right so, right. so, so sometimes but guess what after you hear it a thousand times, it sounds really right to you. You know, I would I wouldn't have it be sung any other way. So it's kind of it kind of happens on both sides. But the artists make the songs better uh, all the time. I love that, uh, listeners. If you're just tuning in, we are talking to Tricky Stewart, a legendary, um, just legend in the music industry, super producer. Five Grammys, well over a hundred million records sold, and he's with us today. And Tricky, thanks for being with us. Uh, Tricky, here on the show, we're really big on social media. We were checking yours out. You know, your IG is mm-hmm. off the charts. Uh, uh, we saw, and, and in the process of looking at it, we saw a post about, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, about ba- um, Baby and Justin Bieber, which is obviously a monumental mm-hmm. song. Uh, did you guys know right off? Just right off the bat, did y'all know that this song would be that big of a hit? Um, you you don't you I don't think you know no, but I knew that that song was really really catchy. Um, and the 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 code that's hard to crack, and the reason why I can't say that I knew for sure that the song was a hit is because we were dealing with a unique situation and working with a child and breaking him without using Disney as the platform and any other platform. So when you look at Ariana Grande, if you look at Justin Timberlake, if you look at Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. They all have Disney in common. Yeah, they all have Disney in common. They all have, yeah, they all have a really serious television. uh, They all have a really serious television uh, polish to them. They, They all kind of went through a developmental process. So when you start talking about a kid and people don't play kids on the radio. So you're talking about a kid that doesn't have Disney. This is a uphill battle of all uphill battles in our music business. And everybody thought we were nuts, you know. And, but you, but uh, he got some big names. I mean, your, your name was big. I mean, uh, Usher was big uh, with this guy. You got He had a boost, though. It wasn't Disney, but it was like Black Disney, right? <laughs> no, no. Listen, none of that matters. 
No, doesn't matter what's behind you. The only thing, the only thing that works in this business, truthfully, is a hit song. And it doesn't matter if you coming from Tallahassee and it's T Pain and nobody knew who you were. And it doesn't matter if you were Michael Jackson. If Michael Jackson got done writing hit songs, the label had less interest in Michael Jackson, and that's the harsh reality. And it goes that wow. way for Prince, and it goes that way for what like it doesn't work. Record companies don't make money from your legacy. They make money from putting hit material that is moving the masses into the game. So when you're talking about taking a kid like Justin Bieber, and yes, it's me, it's Usher, it's who is now Scooter Braun, and there was a lot of other players behind that because you had the L.A. Reid signed them and all that. None of that means anything when you're trying to get a 14-year-old kid played on the radio. So luckily, we caught the wave of YouTube music coming into the coming in uh, on that wave, and he was the first artist to ever get a billion streams. But that record, baby didn't get played on the radio when it came out. It happened on the internet. The fans picked that record, but the go-between, the program director, the, the powers that be, there was no, no, there's no number one stat next to that. There's just the 17 million sales. So Trick, we got a question on social media that asked, that wondered if you ever really worked with any artist that before you work with them or while you work with them that made you nervous. Absolutely. Uh, all the sessions make me nervous because <laughs> yesterday's work ain't going to pay tomorrow's bills. Okay. And okay. When but not nervous from the star, no, from being starstruck with anybody. You, you, you're just saying the business of it makes you nervous. I've been in this industry a long time. People don't make me nervous, but I liken it to an athlete. You know, if you're an elite athlete and you get the opportunity to play against another elite athlete, uh, you want to have a great game that day. Yeah, There's no, that's right. Like in my lifetime, as far as being in the studio with Beyonce, I've not been in the studio. Like, and she goes, "Oh, hey, be here for you know a month." When when you hear the the records that I have, uh, whether it's single ladies or one plus one or smash into you or any of those records, like those were that's five days. And if you have an off five days, well, you don't you don't cook. Well, if you have an off one day, you might not get the other four. Right. Well, that's what makes you great, man. You you you've been doing this long enough that you you sort of are able to articulate those those things in between the lines that 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 often you know if you had that when you when you start anything you 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 be you be better earlier. But wisdom is amazing, and you got a lot of it. Speaking of wisdom, is there are there any misconceptions out there about the music industry that sometimes you hear people say you just wish you like God? I wish they understood that it's not this and it's not that, or it is this. Are there any misconceptions out there you wish were different? Yeah, I think the one stereotypical thing that is people thinking that this is a fantasy world. This is not a fantasy world. This works the same way that the automotive business works. We have manufacturers, we have lawyers, we have accountants, we have everything that every other business has. So when you come and you decide to dedicate your life to music, it is not a shaky foundation. It's no more shaky than being a teacher. It's just the pay is better. Now, you, if you want to be an artist, there, pay, pay is there much is better. Chance. Pay is much, much better. <laughs> right. There is a chance that you may, if you want to be a singer, that you may not make it. But that doesn't mean that you can't be a person that takes your talent and your mistakes 
and become an artist development person. It doesn't mean that you cannot become a choreographer. It doesn't mean that you can't get into the visual arts of what's going on behind that stage and why there are visuals. It doesn't mean that you can't be the lighting guy. It doesn't mean that you can't be the truck driver that is taking Beyonce's tour from tour to tour and you can own that trucking company. So people, a lot of times there's that get a real job kind of mindset. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I feel like people think in the early days, it's one of the reasons why I think people thought that people are making so much money and they're stars and they live like this. This is a working class business underneath that has a lot of people that do a lot of jobs that, that do not make hundreds of millions of dollars. Like the, you know, it's like, it's like working at, Amazon and thinking that everybody is Jeff Bezos, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> like, no, right. there's nobody that's handling the logistics. So there's a real thing here, and that that mindset I think allows people to feel not feel like they're not doing anything wrong when they used to illegally download music and steal music. Like, oh, I'm just taking somebody with hundreds of millions of dollars. No, what you're doing is actually getting somebody fired that that nobody can afford to pay anymore. Wow! Wow! And, you know, you're talking about while you're talking about, you know, artists and the different uh, jobs within the industry, you know, how how what is it? What gets you to the point where and I think New Edition was the most famous one story out there where they worked all this time and then got to the point where they got like a check for a dollar 80 cents. I mean, uh, that kind of thing. Does anything, that still happen today? Anything can happen when, and you don't educate yourself about what it is that you want to do. Anytime that you decide to put your name on a contract that you don't understand in any field, you, you have the, possible. the ability right. to be, it's possible to be victimized. And wow. wow. There, there are some, there are some people out here that will victimize you. But for the most part, it has been my um, experience that, it's a lot of great great people in this business, and it's also a lot of ancillary people that hang out around the edges. Like, those types of stories and those types of people, that, 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 that stuff is short-lived. That's not what the industry, uh, as a core of how people really get down, how we really are in this industry. But yes, you can be victimized on anything that you don't educate yourself on. And one of the things that I think is fascinating is that there's so many people that want to be in this business, these young people, and they literally know about more about playing 2K than they know about the thing that they say they want to do for the rest of their life. Yeah, and I just you yeah, know that's I'm true. Like, oh, you just you just out here on, you're just out here on a dream. You're in a fantasy land because you think this is about making music. This is the music business. Music is something that you can do at church. It's something that you can do on your own. It's something you can do in a restaurant. It's something you can do a lot of places. But once you decide to take your art form and sell it, you're in business. Right, right. And that all of that explains why they need a good producer like a Tricky Stewart that uh, will check those boxes for them and make sure that they understand that this is business. Yeah, you you know, you yes, you can live your dream if you operate if you understand that there's business associated with your talent and your name. And I love the fact that you talk about everybody, all the jobs that are underneath, you know, the artist, the producer, and all the people that you read about and, and, and hear about, but there are a lot of people making it work. And I'm so happy to hear that there's you know, truck drivers that can drive the equipment from one place to the next because that's gonna be what I apply for. 
at the uh, Tricky <laughs> Stewart um, studio. Last question, Trick. And one day I really want to get in a uh, just an in-depth conversation with you about the genres and how they've changed. We won't have time today, but I got to do that because I've heard you. You have some strong opinions about uh, the genres and the one that you love the most versus the other. So I want to I want to dive deep into that soon. <laughs> uh, but Tricky, we had a, a, a young man on the show a few weeks ago named Royce Lovett, who was a finalist uh, on the on the voice. I know you probably don't watch that that much, but uh, the guy was amazing. What advice do you have for people like Royce? Um, who are trying to elevate themselves in the music industry, and and uh, and again, not just Royce, but young people and older people like me, because I got a song um, I'm gonna tell you about later. But um, that that in general, that wanna that that's that wanna make it in this business. What advice would you give them? Particularly as it pertains to the artist that you were just talking about, what I would do because I'm assuming he has a really good voice. It's very important to have a hit song. No artist can make it without a hit song. That's one part, right? And the, right, the second right. part is, the second part is, you have to put yourself in a position to be discovered. Meaning, there's a reason why people show up to Atlanta. There's a reason why people show up to Los Angeles. If you wanted to be an astronaut, you can't just be someplace and say that you want to be an astronaut. You have to show up to the schools right, where right. astronauts are being produced, right? Right. And where and there's a trajectory to that of how you become that thing. So the other part is put yourself in a position to be discovered. Know where those places are. Be educated about who's who because there's nothing worse than somebody telling me that they want to be in the music business and then I say, you know, I could have a receptionist at my studio or something like that and they'll be like, the, the, and they'll say, there's a John Plitt on the phone. If you don't know the highest ranking African-American person, the chairman of Sony, and you want to be in the music business, but you know who Steph Curry is, you have a problem. <laughs> right, right. I even know who they are. I, I even know those folks. So, so that's true. So there's so many people that just want something. They they just they want something. They got they they have a they literally have a dream. This is not a dream business. This is a reality based business that requires getting up at the gym, getting in the gym, working yourself, honing your craft day after day. You gotta put in at least minimum your ten thousand hours. That's where the that's where the business starts in this business. Well, listen. So when you, you when yeah. you when you hear people say, oh, "I'm in the studio," "I'm in the studio," "I'm in the studio," and people might think, oh, "Man, you've been going to studio for seven years." Well, that's the time. That's the time that that person is dedicated. So when they start getting, "Oh, here's a check for twenty thousand," "Here's a check for thirty thousand," or whatever the situation is, you're not paying me for the for the six hour session at that point. You're paying me for all the time that I went to the studio to get the answers to the equation to this test. Well, listen, tricky, and that man. That might have been, that's, that might be 10 years. Yeah, okay. So, listen, that's great advice. That's great advice for Royce Lovett, for my nephew, B. Shane, uh, for all these guys out there, for my cousin Cameron, and, and all these people out there that are working hard and trying to become a Tricky Stewart or become somebody that Tricky Stewart wants to work with. So, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and, and spreading some of that education uh, because I think all of us took something from it. And, and by the way, you gave some great wisdom and advice as it relates to the music industry. But I could take out some of that and 
use it for life. So you, you're you an incredible guy, man. So thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me, Sean. I appreciate it. Okay, brother. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back with the Pittman Point. It's time for Pittman's Point. Welcome back to the Sean Pittman Show. And wow, what an amazing interview with the legendary producer, a Grammy winner, y'all, entrepreneur, and just a class act, Tricky Stewart. Uh, Tricky, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time to come on the show. Your career speaks for itself. And, and man, I just want to shake your hand next time I see you. See if I can get some of that, some of that, uh, uh, star power, that, that, that ingenuity, all that, that fresh stuff you have going on that has built your career and, and your wisdom. So thanks again, my friend. And, and for the listeners, now it's time for the Pittman point. This week, we saw a Twitter dust up between Donald Trump and President Barack Obama. Uh, President Obama commemorated the anniversary of uh, the historic uh, economic recovery package by saying 11 years ago today, near the bottom of the worst recession in generations, I signed the Recovery Act, paving the way for more than a decade of economic growth and the longest streak of job creation in American history. That was the tweet from Barack Obama, y'all. Uh, not to be outdone on social media, uh, Donald Trump fired back in what can only be described as a what I would call a petty attempt to score some cheap political points. Uh, he said, and I quote, did you hear the latest con job? President Obama, at least he called him president, y'all, uh, is now trying to take credit for the economic boom taking place under the Trump administration. He then continued to attack President Obama uh, for having the weakest recovery since the Great Depression. Now, before we get into who's right and who's wrong, let's take a look at, at what the experts have said. NBC senior business correspondent Stephanie Rule tweeted that the growth of the country's gross domestic product hit 4% four times during the Obama administration and unemployment rates dropped 2.5%, accomplishments that had not been matched under Trump. Additionally, Austin Goolsbee, who chaired President Obama's economic uh, council of, uh, I'm sorry, Obama's council of economic advisors said, it has really been a tale of two economies lately. Consumer related things have been strong, but anything related to business investment or manufacturing or trade has been quite tough. Manufacturing has literally been in recession. Part of that has come from the damage from the tariffs. Another part has come from tax cuts that did not seem to generate anything close uh, to the kind of sustained improvement that was promised. Now, on the other hand, uh, economist David Henderson, who served on President Ronald Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors, said the administration policies on tax cuts and deregulation have been good for both Wall Street and Main Street. He said the big improvement came even despite an expensive trade war. So the Pittman point today is use your common sense on this issue. We have competing economists saying competing things. But this is a huge country with a massive economy. Barring something catastrophic like 9-11 attacks, natural disasters like hurricanes or a world war, economic ebbs and flows happen slowly. There's no light switch uh, to fix for an economy of our size, which means the major economic policies take time to bear fruit. When we're asking the question of who is responsible for the good economic times that we are feeling on the heels of an awful recession just a few, few short years ago. Let's keep in mind that none of these things happen overnight. And a tweet, any tweet, 
isn't going to change that. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show 